0: This is The Game of Life. Welcome to The Game of Life, Season 2, Episode number 5. And this podcast is all about the game of life, where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. I am so pleased to have with me today a good friend. Uh, the one who keeps us safe in the city of Miami, Chief Jorge Colina. Welcome to the show, Chief.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and it's nice to see you again too.
0: It's great seeing you. So the first time we've as a matter of fact, last time I saw you, Chief, was at the Estefan Thanksgiving Feed a Friend Day. That's
1: right. And That's right. And it was right. on
0: Thanksgiving Day. We big hug and seeing so many kids and families come out on that particular
1: day was very special. It was wonderful, it no was, and doubt. they do a tremendous job. The Estefans putting that together. And yes. They're not looking for any. Recognition. They just want people to come, hang out, have a good time, have a meal. That's right. You know, fellowship. It's wonderful.
0: So shout out to Gloria and Emilio for all that they do for Miami, uh, the city that never sleeps. That's right. This podcast, Chief, is about just honoring and thanking partners and friends, uh, and but also getting to know our community leaders as well. So just tell our audience, because we're on Apple Podcasts now, we're on Spotify, so we are just so excited to, one, have you on the show, but two, uh, just allow our audience to get to know our community leaders a little bit better. So tell us about your personal journey, and specifically, who mentored you as well?
1: Gosh, you know, I, I had a, a few mentors Growing up, well, first of all, I've, I've been with the police department for a little over 28 years now. Okay. So it's been quite a while, and it's been a journey for me there. Um, you know, growing up, my oldest brother, 10 years older than I am, was really a father figure for me. My parents divorced <laughs> when I was three. And so he was always the one that I kind of looked up to. And you know how that works. It didn't matter what he did or said, he was always the coolest. So, uh, (laughs) but what I appreciated about him was even though 10 years older, he was a young man when he would pull me aside and tell me what was important and, you know, make sure you do things to make us proud and always think about how your actions affect other people these lessons that quite frankly, I don't even know where where he learned them, but I appreciate that he passed them on to me. Uh, In the police department, um, I had a few people. uh, Early on, when I was a rookie policeman, I I had a sergeant, John Campbell, who was one of those people as well, that would Mm -hmm. pull you aside and kind of Speak truth to you, not sugarcoat it, not, you know, be uh, overly sensitive or careful in how he messaged what he wanted me to know. Right. And at that time, it's really what I needed to hear. And, you know, interestingly enough, he had like the same message that my brother had years and years and years ago. Really? Which was, Hey, man, be be mindful of what you do and what you say and how you behave, because when you don't know it, people are paying attention, and what you do affects many people. So make sure that what you do has value and it matters. Absolutely. And that was, gosh, that was 26 years ago.
0: Time flies, doesn't Time it? Time flies. How much older was your brother than you? I mean, how, how much older?
1: Ten years older than Ten I years was. Ten years older. Okay, Ten you did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my parents divorced
0: and I was two years old. My older brother is three years over me. But it's an interesting how that older brother, that literal big brother, Correct. just can help guide you. And I mean, our first mentors typically are at home. No doubt about it. No. And so with that, so speaking of big brother, so you're an alumni big brother. And you certainly can speak personally to the impact of mentoring, but let's stay in the law enforcement context. Sure. What role does mentoring play in crime prevention
1: and intervention as well? It, it, it plays a huge part. It, it's a factor because in any community where you work, right? So the idea is if you're assigned to an area, you're responsible for the safety of the people of that neighborhood. Yes. Those are the facts. That's why you've been given this job. Anything that you can do to help build relationships in that neighborhood is going to give you a better chance at success. So if the folks in that neighborhood, especially the kids, because the kids are always outside playing, watching, they know what's happening all the time is the truth. If they see you in a certain light and they see that you're sincere when you want to help and when you offer advice and when you care for them, then they'll care for you because that's just how we are as humans. Somebody cares for me, and I'm just more likely to want to care for them. Well, from that, you have cooperation, you have people wanting to help each other, you have people wanting to care for each other, and then comes success. Mm. And it really, it it happens in anything that you do, and anywhere that you go. When people see that you're sincere in your heart and what you want to do, and that you want to help people, then they want to help you. And what's interesting about that, Chief, and we'll stay in that context, when I think about
0: just Bigs and Blue, and certainly uh, you were a part of our, lo- our national launch video, we featured you as well with our Bigs and Blue partnership. You were a part of our state conference, Big Brothers, Big Sisters Association of Florida, where you spoke on a panel about the impact of mentoring as well with your little brother Lionel at the time. But when I think about what's been, whether it's local news, national news, online, about police community relations, you talked about something that was very important, just the humanity of it, building that relationship, a presence being seen in a certain light. And, it, and as a black man who came from inner city Toledo, Ohio, raised by a single mom, always raised to respect any authority, in uniform, teachers, principals, the whole nine yards, it bothers me when I see and hear. And this podcast is about relationships, celebrating positive and healthy relationships, When I see communities of color uh, being positioned against police officers, kids being fed the propaganda, the negative propaganda of you can't trust police officers in any walk of life, you get some bad apples in any walk of life, accountant, (laughs) anybody, right? So let's just talk a little bit about, specifically within communities of color, Chief, because, one, we've gotten to know each other, and you're as real as they get. Thank uh, you. I mean, your playlist, uh, you know, from whether it's the OJs, Commodores, <laughs> the whole, we won't go there, but it's just a be- <laughs> But let's talk about just what specifically you're doing as the as the chief, the leader of the police department in the city of Miami that oversees a lot of areas within our beautiful city uh, to help improve and strengthen relationships
1: within communities of color. So the relationships that we were just speaking, you know, they're critical to success. And and my job, you know, I've been the chief now for a year. Um, from, From the day that I took over as chief, I said that I wanted Miami to be one of the safest cities in the country. Well, there's no way that you can achieve that unless you have the full support of the community. Amen. So... You know, we need it to build. And, and there are reasons why people feel the way that they do. Okay, this isn't um, made up. Someone will have an experience, and it'll affect them profoundly. And oftentimes, you can't let go of that experience. You'll remain angry. A mm. negative experience, you'll remain angry. Right. And so what happens is that perpetuates itself mm. on both sides. You have someone who was mistreated or not treated right by an officer, they remember that, they hold on to that anger, and that it affects future encounters. You'll have a policeman that was uh, not respected, who felt like he wasn't appreciated or she wasn't appreciated for what they do for the community, and they hold on to that anger. Mm. And so that behavior perpetuates itself. What we're trying to do, what I remind my officers of all the time, is break that. Take the high road, be the better person, even if it's a person who is looking at you with disdain and they don't know you, because it's dangerous when we generalize. When people say the police are, right. you know, that, that's not a healthy statement, and it doesn't matter who you're referring to. Well, you know, break that. You know, take the high road and say, listen, uh, that is not me. Give me an opportunity. This is my name. This is who I am. This is my mission. This is what I want to do. And when you do that, that door is cracked a little bit open. Yes. And then you got to work your way to go in. And, and w- when I speak to people that are angry at the police, and, and by the way, you know, family. I have family that will call me to complain about something. And then I'll remind them as well, hey, man, take the high road. And if you feel like an officer is speaking down to you or being disrespectful to you or, or not acting the way they should in your home Please. when they called you, then let them know, let them know. Hey, please, you know, treat me this way, or officer, why are you speaking to me that way? I called you for help. I want your help, and I want you to be here. Please help me. Don't speak to me that way. It doesn't make me want to cooperate with you. Right. Just tell them the way that it is, and in a cool way. No, <clears throat> no, you don't have to stand up and be right. angry, and no. But someone has to take that step of taking the high road and being the better person.
0: Just like any relationship.
1: Just like any relationship. If we're sitting
0: here right now and I'm like, hey, uh, Chief, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. And in our society today, and the beauty of this podcast, and here we are again, Game of Life Mentoring Podcast with Chief of Police, City of Miami, Chief Jorge Colina, uh, who's making it happen in the city of Miami. He's an alumni big brother, but more importantly, it's not just the uniform, it's the person. Thank you. And when i you've been from day one, your sincerity, your passion for just doing things right in this community. And so, our partnership, and a shout out to our national CEO, Pam Iorio, Biggs and Blue is now taking off, not just in the city of Miami, not just in South Florida, but across this nation, Chief. If we can get back to basic conversations, basic respect, if somebody does something that makes you uncomfortable, friend or foe, you have the conversation. You have a conversation. Some, there's got to be an adult in the room. And so this show is not about politics or anything like that. It's about real relationships. And so
1: I just can't thank you enough for the commitment you have to humanity. I appreciate it. And, you know, with the kids, the yes. Bigs and Blue program and, and the way that the officers are affected by that. Tell me about that. It's yes. so cool because you are reminded this isn't a call that you went to or you drove down the block or, or you, you sped by a park. No, you take a little bit of time interacting with a child, and then you are reminded of how special that is and how people look up to you and how people want someone to speak to or hang out with right. or just chit-chat. And it, it reminds you of why you became a public servant. So for me, the reason the program is so important Is that my officers have an opportunity not just to mentor because it feels good when you're kind to someone it just feels good but you're reminded of man this is why I got into this profession it brings everything back down to a, a level playing field and then you're inspired to go back out into the community and continue to build so it's a nice little break of this is what's important our kids growing up in a safe environment where they feel like they can count on you and you can count on them.
0: What I love about that, and thank you for that commitment, and with Bigs in Blue, and for anyone listening, 305-644-0066, call and say, I want to make a difference, whether you're in uniform or out. just the, And I love what you said, Chief. When people sign up to become a Big, they say, I'm signing up to help a kid. But you know what happens? they get their help as well.
1: No doubt about they it. Say, I'm getting more yeah, out of
0: it It absolutely is. So to give back, to spend that time. But one of the things about leadership, let's talk about leadership for a minute. We've talked about mentoring. We've talked about uh, your older brother who mentored you and uh, just told you straight. And, you know, the truth hurts sometimes, but Correct. you got to hear it. Not only that, as a leader and in any particular context,
1: what's been your biggest challenge as a leader and how did you overcome it? You know, my my biggest challenge as a leader, we're a big organization, so we have close to 1,900 employees when you count our civilian employees, public service aides, traffic control specialists, crossing guards. They all work for the police department, of course, the police officers themselves. So close to 1,900 employees. The biggest challenge for me is how can I communicate with them all? Hmm. Because it's important that they hear it from me. It's important that they know that their leader, their boss, the guy at the top, feels this way, wants these things done. And in every organization, we rely on people to help us deliver the message and push it down. But I worry. I worry. Is it being pushed down the way that I'd like? Are they making the points that I would like? Are they relaying the information with sincerity so the officers know so that, that's been a challenge for me. Two things, I have to trust the people around me, Yes. right? It's not just me and I know what I went and what I said and how I feel. I gotta trust the people around me, number one. And then number two, are they hearing the message? The way it was intended the to be delivered. The way that it was intended to be delivered. I feel your pain. So that's that's a, a challenge for me. And so I try to mitigate it the best I can by showing up to as many roll calls as I can, being really. in the community events, popping up when they don't expect me to pop in and then making sure that every opportunity I get to speak to any of our employees. I mean, I was walking to an event the other day, I'm crossing the street and I, you know, the public service aid there, you know, she wasn't even sure who I was at first because I'm dressed in regular clothes. Right. So I stopped to speak to her for a minute and then she realized this is my boss. Um, and I was telling her, hey, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. And I saw how you were interacting with the people that you're helping cross the street. You know, Thank you for doing that. It's important because this is an impression that you're making. Well, I can see in her eyes that she thought, this is really cool, this instant feedback. Well, I wish I could do that more, you know, person to person. But it's a challenge.
0: With 1900, management by walking around takes on a whole new... absolutely. (laughs) But with that, I mean, it's so important. And again, as we think about relationships from law enforcement to communities, but also the relationship within the team, and whether it's in a sports context, whether it's in an employment context, or even at home, the various teams we are a part of, just making sure that everybody understands that the one who has to bear the burden at the top really cares. Yes. And it goes back to humanity again. I mean, so I'm sure that public servant's aide, or officer, if you will, uh, went home and said, guess I'm sitting here. <laughs> yeah. So she's probably had enough to say, but which, is, which is excellent. And so that servant leadership, when I think about in my history, Chief, I used to run a, a program, a residential program, 225 boys, ages 13 to 18. All of them had broken the law. And so we wake them up at 5 in the morning, put them in bed at 10 p.m. what I learned through that experience from 1993 to 2005, before I came here to Big Brothers, Big Sisters, was the fact that these young men, and of course, I've visited other facilities where young ladies were uh, housed as well, just as brilliant. So these young ladies and these young men respectively had so much talent, so much potential, a buzzword we're using now more than ever at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, locally and nationally. I said, you know what? this one who spray painted the side of a building, this one over here who uh, beat up a teacher, this one over here who stole a car. We're hanging around with the wrong crowd. So mentoring takes place on the street every day. I don't need to tell you that. No doubt. They don't ask kids, why'd you join a gang? The number one answer was family. Yeah, I want to fit in. I want to fit in. I want somebody to have my back. Well, a mentor, by definition, is a trusted friend and counsel. Someone who's got your back, can give you the coaching, give you the honest feedback, even if it hurts. And so I said, we got to change this. That's what brought me to Big Brothers, Big Sisters, just a little personal context. But now here's the question. I've heard many law enforcement say to me, Gail, we cannot arrest our way out of this juvenile delinquency challenge or problem. What did you think about just uh, the mentoring context and all that? What, what's your strategy? In terms of juvenile delinquency, and of course, you mentioned mentoring earlier, but in the role that mentoring plays in that as well, because we got a lot of kids uh, who
1: just need that guidance and counsel, Chief. So one of the things that we're doing now and that we're going to expand is we're trying to build relationships and bring in kids that are at our local high schools. Nice, because what happens, and and we know that this is just the case. If you're a 14-year-old kid. Um, that kid that's 15, 16, 17, that person's the coolest cat in the world. That's right. You know, and you want to emulate, and you want to follow, and you want to fit in. And then some of these kids take advantage of that, and they manipulate that young man to do something that maybe they shouldn't be doing. Um, Or that kid just follows along that same path. So if the 15-year-old, the 16-year-old, and the 17-year-old understand how profound an effect they can have mm. on the kids in their own neighborhood, well then maybe they step up. Because you don't when you're young, you don't think about that. You don't think about, hey man, I can affect this person for the rest of their lives. They don't think like that. They just think today's Tuesday. That's it. They're <laughs> That's not <right>. thinking. <laughs> no deeper than that. <laughs> That's it. And so and I get it because they're kids. But right. if we tell them, hey man, help us, and it's important because if they see you and they hear you. And you're saying the right thing, and you're behaving the right way. And I'm not asking anybody to be an angel. I'm just saying be mindful of how you can affect that person. Yes. And it could affect them the rest of their life. Then maybe they themselves got another reason of why I should do the right thing. Even if they've lost you know, uh, themselves, even if they feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they don't have purpose. Right. Well, you do have purpose. That's right. You can affect the people around you. And then hopefully they start to feel a sense of purpose, and it you know now they both benefit. So that's where we want to go. Um, we're hoping that'll have an impact. I'm sure that it will. You know, the more people we're able to bring in, we're we're launching a tutoring program um, that I'm hoping will also have an effect because we know that by the third grade, if you're not doing well, you're struggling in that's school. Right. The likelihood is that that struggle is going to continue. And, and now you're more likely to go down the wrong road. So it doesn't have, any, have to do anything with law enforcement at that level. And we helped this kid out. We don't have to worry about him later. We can worry about him right now. Prevention at its core. Prevention at its core, without with a doubt. That,
0: and that, and keep in mind, this is breaking. This is beautiful about having a show like this. Uh, you just shared something with me that I was not aware of in terms of expanding. Look no further than Big Brothers Big Sisters to help you along Thank that. Thank you. I appreciate we got 1,100 it. little brothers and little sisters that are in a workplace mentoring program. I would like nothing more. And we, used to, we did this, it was back with the kids I had in the residential facility. We called it a double benefit mentoring program. Here's how it worked. High school students that were already mentored, that were little brothers and little sisters, mentored someone else. They served as kind of a peer to peer guide to your point. And the double benefit is for those high school students, to your point, the best way to learn is to teach. No doubt about it. So they have their struggles, they got stuff they got to deal with, but they got somebody they can talk to, but then they in turn give feedback to somebody else. Absolutely. And, and as you know, on our third floor, the Academic Enrichment Center Chief, we can make that happen with some tutoring to help you out as well. That's so that's the beauty of partnership. And I'm going to charge you a dime. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Chief, what would you say to someone uh, who is considering mentoring? That they they want to do something that's, you know, here we are still in January, National Mentoring Month. Folks are saying, I want to do something, to, you know, of course, make more money, be in better shape, get a better job, and all these other resolutions that people typically make. But for somebody that says, I may want to do something to give back to my community as an alumni big brother, as our chief of police for the city of Miami. What advice, what's your message to someone who's considering mentoring?
1: I would say do it. Do it. It's that simple. And what? listen, we all make time for what we really want. You know, I hear people all the time say, oh, I don't have time for that. Listen, for what you want to do, you find the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so make this something that you want to do, and what you're going to find out, what you're going to discover, is that it's therapeutic, that it feels good, that you have an opportunity to be kind to someone And then they are kind to you, and that feels nice. And by the way, you know, an hour a week is Hmm. just not that significant of a commitment, you know, and that's really all you need. Of course, you can always put more time, but an hour a week, we can all make that happen. And then the benefit is twofold. And I, I mean, and by the way, you don't, if someone was interested in trying mentorship, it's not like you got to sign a 10-year contract. You know what I mean? It's not a lifetime commitment. Right. If you're feeling something in your heart right now, okay, do something about it right now. If next year it's something else, that's okay. Right. But this year, if something's tugging at you, if you're missing something in your life and you're thinking you'd like to do this, then do it. You know, trust your instinct. You heard it directly from the
0: chief of police, City of Miami, Jorge Colina, 305 Just do it. That sounds just like somebody's it. slogan, I think. <laughs> Nike, you can come on board, too. But the bottom line is, why wait? Why wait? When you think about the cost of crime, what it costs our community, not just with some, a broken window or a stolen car and all the clearly tangible, but what it does to a community. So the cost of mentoring on an annual basis is $1,500 a year for one match for that 12-month period. That's the screening, the training, the volunteer, free to parents, free to kids. But you compare that to the cost of crime, Chief, and it's it's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. You've been under, one last question for you, Chief. You've been at the helm for the City of Miami before you said you just uh, finished your first year. Yes. Congratulations Thank on you. a very successful first year. What do you want your legacy to be? If we talked about leadership challenges and wanting the, the, your, your team, all 1900, to know what you mean, what you say, and how much you care. Let's say when it's all said and done, uh, when you pass the baton to someone else as the chief of police for the city of Miami, what do you want your legacy
1: to be, Chief? Wow, that's a... Uh, this is a deep show, brother. Yeah, man, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a great question. You know, honestly, in, in the simplest of terms, I would love if people were to say, man, that guy made a difference. Hmm. Because what that would mean is that they recognize that you had purpose. You just weren't occupying a chair. So if people would just say, that guy made a difference, that means that things that we put into place mattered to people, programs worked, uh, and, and, and we made progress. And it, that means that my time would have had real value if people mm. are saying it mattered it mattered. That guy cared, and it mattered. That would be awesome.
0: Well, Chief, you got one year under your belt. If this first year is any indication of what will happen in the future, we're off to a great start. We are blessed to have you as a Police Chief of City of Miami. I'm thankful that we can just uh, embrace, share, and just be real with one another as well. Thank you for being on the podcast today, Chief. Chief Jorge Colina, City of Miami, Police Department, much respect. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. Thank you so much. We appreciate I appreciate it. it. Thank you. You got it, sir. Hey, this is Gail Nelson, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Miami, the host of The Game of Life.